Hey, it's Kathy. I just want to let you know that I'm doing a free five-day workshop. It's called the Abundance Activation Challenge, and it starts today. And it's not too late for you to join us. Today is the last day to join. Go to kathyheller.com slash five-day to sign up. The pre-party has been happening, and it's been such a blast. There's so many high-vibe women in there who are ready to call in more abundance. I know that you will love that you showed up for this. I'll be live at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern every day this week, teaching you how to become a master manifester. You are just going to have the best time. If you want to join us, sign up at kathyheller.com slash five day. All you've got to do is train yourself to give 100%, 100% of the time at everything you do. Compete at everything, including self-mastery. Learn to master your thoughts. Learn to master and commit to your dreams. Learn to not just dream big, but to believe big in order to become big. Hi guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to the Kathy Heller podcast. I want to tell you something really big. We just rolled this out yesterday. It's something that I've been wanting to do probably my whole life, but something that I've definitely been thinking about over the last few years and it's finally here. It's called the quilt. And this is so important for me personally. It is something I think that we all need as women today more than ever. Essentially, this is a membership and it's not about something specific for you to learn. Although once a month, I will be there to coach and to talk about different things that I think will help us. But the real real is that every week we're meeting to have true support, to have a true network in the sense that This is about really sharing what's going on in our lives, really being authentic, really being vulnerable so that we can actually be there to walk each other home. I feel like it is almost impossible the way that women have been subconsciously told by our society to be superhuman. It is like, sure, you can be a mom and have a career, but you better crush it then. And then women feel like they're behind. We feel like we are always behind. We're not there enough for the kids or we're there too much for the kids. And then, oh my gosh, honey, you're not taking care of yourself. Or, oh my gosh, you're crushing it in your career, but too bad you missed out on that baseball game. And I feel like in addition to all of that, being an adult just carries a tremendous amount with it. There's so much beauty and there's so much heartache. And we live these silent battles every single day. And we live in a time that is so different from any other time in history because we think we're seeing each other all day long on social media, but we are creating a persona and that's all that we're letting people see. And that's exhausting. And so the quilt is about coming as you are with all your messy threads. And it's about coming together and choosing to be a part of a collective as you are uniquely beautiful with all of the things about you that are messy because we're all messy. And anyone who projects that they're not messy is lying. And even worse than lying, they're carrying shame. Because the truth is, why should we be ashamed about the fact that we are a work in progress and that there's certain things about ourselves that are really hard that we struggle with? And it's unbelievable because society says to us, You should be confident, but not too confident. You should own the fact that you're beautiful, but please be relatable. You should definitely go start a business, but oh my gosh, don't be like crazy. Don't like really charge so much. It's unbelievable what we do to women. And this is not the same for men. Men have their own struggles. I'm not saying that they don't. But I know what it's like to live my life and how much we carry. And so I wanted to do something about it. So we're creating this membership. It's called The Quilt. For those of you who are alumni of any of my programs or retreats, please send DM so that you can get your discount code. 
And if any one of you participated in the podcast boot camp that we did, then you should send a DM because there's a different discount code for you. If you are alumni and you sign up by next week, not only do you get your discount, but you also get some special swag, which is really cute. It's like a personalized tumbler that keeps your coffee hot and it's like got like quilting stuff on it. It will say your name and also a quilting keychain. There's so much of a reason that we are so thirsty for this and I'm so personally excited about it. Our first kickoff call will be September 6th. You can find out more details by going to kathyhiller.com slash quilt. And I can't wait to see us all really be there and be seen and see each other. And the other thing that we're going to do in this community, which is really special and important, is support each other and collaborate. And so there's going to be ways that you can earn stitches by giving somebody a referral or by doing an Instagram live with somebody in the group or by going on each other's podcast, you'll earn a stitch. And by the time you earn a certain amount of stitches, you'll earn a patch. And when you get that patch, you'll get a free course of mine or you'll get to be featured on the podcast. We'll come up with ways to give you back for how you give to each other. And every week, not only are we going to be there to have real conversations about what's really happening in our lives, but every week there's going to be a prompt for how you can collaborate and you will be able to brainstorm with each other ideas for your next step, whether it's in your personal life or in your business. And I'm just so excited about it. So if you want more, if you want to get in on it, go to kathyheller.com slash quilt. And if you are alumni and you want your special discount code or you were in the podcast bootcamp and you want to find out what your special code is, they're different. You can DM me on Instagram at kathy.heller. We'll send you the code. You could also email hello at kathyheller.com and we'll send you the code. For anybody else who's interested in joining our podcast course, you can sign up at kathyheller.com slash join. Enrollment is open till Friday for anyone who wants to start a podcast and be with me for the next two months of that journey. Well, today we have a treat because Greg Harden is here. He made me cry because he is so vulnerable and kind. He is a coach. He's a motivational speaker. He's an author. He's an executive consultant. He's worked with some of the best athletes, including Tom Brady. He's worked with Michael Phelps. He's worked with Desmond Howard, hundreds of other high-performing athletes, CEOs, and coaches. This week, he has a book that came out. It's called Stay Sane in an Insane World, How to Control the Controllables and Thrive. And in this book, He shares the mental tactics and the practices and the mantras that he's used to help shape some of the most iconic athletes' careers and their minds throughout history. We're going to talk about some of the key lessons, like how to give 100% all the time, how to stop being afraid of being afraid, how to control your own mind, how to be the expert on yourself, and how to lead a better, happier, and more fulfilling life. This book is empowering, and there are so many good nuggets that you're going to want to carry with you. So make sure that you get yourself a copy. It was such an honor to talk to Greg. He has so much humility and he has so much goodness in his heart. I can definitely see why Tom Brady and Michael Phelps would come to him as a spiritual guide. This conversation felt like a great church sermon. You're going to love him, so I won't keep you waiting any longer. Without further ado, please welcome the extraordinary Greg Harden. Greg, I am so happy that you came on. I just told you a second ago before we officially started that just the way you say hello (laughs) has so much resonance. There's so much consciousness in your vibration. Uh, I felt it immediately. So I'm so glad to to have you here. I've, I've been reading your book. You have such incredible things to share. And um, I'm not surprised at all that some of the greatest performers of our time have cracked into their genius with <laughs> you being the wind in their uh-huh. sails. Thank I you for coming. Wa- I just want to thank you for the opportunity. Uh, and reviewing and just trying to study a little bit about Kathy Heller, I was overwhelmed by how spiritually grounded you are, how committed you are to uh, understanding a simple formula of love isn't love until you give it away. Yeah, that's right. You're going to make me cry. Um, yeah, absolutely true. I feel that uh, we need God and spirituality always, but now more than ever, we need a connection to that which is eternal. Because that really is who our, that's where the seed of our actual identity really is. And we talk about that a lot on this show. And it's so beautiful to hear that from so many different voices that come to that same great, great infinite truth 
in slightly different ways, but it all leads to the same goodness. So I'm so glad that you're here. Your book is coming out so soon. It's called Stay Sane in an Insane World, How to Control the Controllables and Thrive. And before we even get into the book, I just want to talk about you, where this began for you. Like, where was Greg when the fork in the road showed up and you chose to do this work and you chose this mission? How did you choose this assignment? I, again, God has a sense of humor and I had all these plans and he was amused by them or she was amused by them or they were amused by them. <laughs> right. And I had this plan. I was radio, television, and film, of course. And then uh, I got sidetracked by um, taking a summer job working in alcohol and drug addiction in a state where people would go and visit and they had burned their bridges with everyone else. And I was just going to work there for the summer and have a little fun and, and try to be meaningful and effective and Needless to say, I, I didn't anticipate that it would segue into a master's in social work. Who wants to be a social worker? Not me. My mentor, however, was Howard Brabson. And Howard uh, Brabson saw something in me that I hadn't seen in myself. He believed in me before I believed in myself. He convinced me that I didn't know anything about social work. And that he described that you could actually create the programs. You could actually create vehicles by which people can change their lives. You can become a change agent. A, a change agent? I mean, like 007? No, that's not exactly what we're talking about. But it was an interesting time in my life, and I had made a commitment years ago that if I had lived to see 25, there must be some purpose. So the first purpose, you'll love this. The first purpose I came up with was pursue your purpose. <laughs> I mean, because you you say, well, I'm 25 now. I've got to have purpose. Well, what's my purpose? My first purpose was to find it. And I committed wholeheartedly to pursue my purpose. I had two books that I would engage and somebody gave me a, a just tiny little version of a New Testament eh, religion. Eh. And then Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke and John just like, oh, this is deep. And then I had another book called Man's Search for Meaning, Victor Frankl. Well, that book was so amazing that I would carry it around with me. Like it was another type of Bible, right? And uh, I would study these two books, and it became clear to me I needed to surrender. Oh, no, not surrender. Surrender the ego. <laughs> not surrender the ego. The ego has helped me survive. And then the issue becomes, but how do you thrive? I was great at surviving, and then I had to learn how to thrive. And this work opens up doors where you have to transform yourself in order to work with people from a wide range of backgrounds with a lot of different types of problems and people you would never even talk to are all of a sudden in your office and you've got to talk to them and you've got to care about them. You've got to leave with care, compassion, and concern with somebody who you wouldn't even talk to if you ever saw them anywhere else. And so in order to do that, you have to surrender the ego. Wow. That's Every single word, what you said and how you said it, it's like medicine. I just uh, this week interviewed an amazing woman. Her name is Dr. Lisa Miller, and she studies the science behind having faith. She works at Columbia University, and she really? looks at the brain when a person connects to their higher power. And I would love to put you guys in touch, but uh, you and her are saying the same thing that she was saying how so often in our life, we are trying to control all the evidence and the circumstances so that we can get our way to whatever that big pie in the sky dream is. And then so often you look back at your life and you go, you know, that didn't happen. You know what happened? It made this hairpin turn and I was led to something so different that I did not think I wanted. No, no. And no. there it was. It was exactly 
what I really, truly wanted on a soul level. And I meet a lot of people. We've done almost 800 episodes of this podcast and so many people have come on this show from authors and celebrities and musicians. I can tell from just being with you for a few moments that you have all the things that we come to this world for because we don't come for a pile of stuff. No. We, we come to feel that feeling of wholeness and richness in our being. And your being is tapped in and turned on. And then you went ahead from some of the coolest people I've ever met or people who are in, in the sober process. But you went from that to working with some of the most phenomenal athletes. And they're not, it's not enough to call them athletes. I mean, these people are able to tap into a level of hero inside themselves that other people, they know on some level. We love Michael Jordan and Tom Brady because on some level, we know that we have that inside of us. Yes, yes. well said. Right? It's not just about the sport. It's about the sport of how do you play this game called living into your potential. So as we sort of now are segueing into the book, I'm starting with these people that you started to work with how did that begin? Who was the first person that you worked with and you started to realize that what you had to say gave them an edge over just getting their workout in? Like, what was it that you realized they needed that you had? Well, I'm fascinated in contemporary right now with this book. It's it's gotten me out of the shadows because I'm a shadow warrior and, you know, I want to do all these things and help people. I mean, make millionaires. That's fun. But what it turns out to be is like, I'm amazed at how many people I've worked with. I had never really thought about it that way because remember, we're talking about sometimes 18, 19 year old children who look like adults who are just trying to find themselves. So I'm not working with Tom Brady. I'm working with Tom Brady. I'm not working with Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps comes to the University of Michigan campus because we hired his coach. His coach is Bob Bowman, one of the most amazing human beings you'll ever meet. And Bob Bowman was a coachable coach, which was an oxymoron. But, you know, and he was hungry and eager. And so we're working together because I'm the sports administrator for swimming and diving. And all of a sudden, a volunteer assistant coach is Michael Phelps. Duh. <laughs> and so, but I'm treating Michael Phelps like he's a 19-year-old, an 18-year-old. And we're not impressed that you're Michael Phelps. We got a million stars around here. Come on, let's have some fun and chat about who you are and who you're trying to become. Boom. Tom Brady. I saw what you and Desmond Howard did. So I'm curious as to whether or not we can work together. Sure. Come on, have a seat. He's not a megastar. He's a guy struggling to find his way. He's a guy that's like hungry, but humble enough to ask for help, to be coachable. Desmond Howard, his mom and dad had programmed him to be able to identify uh, with authority figures, to respect authority figures. And he was the most coachable kid I'd ever met in my entire life. He walks in and says, tell me what works and what doesn't work. You've seen a lot of this. Tell me what to do and what not to do. What? <laughs> he said, look, I'm not like the rest of these, these guys. If you say, don't touch it, I'm not touching it. Desmond Howard was the first star that you know, and they were all, all kinds of wonderful people I had worked with. But Desmond Howard is the first kid who walks up to me and says, I want to work with you. I said, why is that, sir? He says, I've been studying you for a year and a half. You just turned 19. Yes, I've been watching you for a year and a half. And I'm fascinated by your personality and style. And, you know, I have a question. I said, what's that? He says, when you talk, I see three different personalities. I said, go on. He says, you seem like a scholar who's studied and done the research and some of your stuff is data-driven. And then you turn into a passionate and perhaps um, pastor-like. And then you turn into, at that time, Richard Price. <laughs> and I'm saying, 
what are you saying? He says, I want to know, is it on purpose? I said, how old are you? He says, I'm 19 years old. I said, son, you're telling me you have reviewed and studied my techniques. And yes, when you're talking to the crowd, you turn into three different personalities. Why is that? Oh, my gosh. I said, well, there's at least six audience members, (laughs) six learning styles in the room. I'm going to tap into three. There's one person in the room that if I'm not grounded by theory and, and, and formulations of what's really the research-driven boom, 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 they're not interested. There's another person, if I don't have passion, if I don't have fire in my bones, they're not going to hear me. And there's another person that I got to con and manipulate and make them laugh and then slip in on them. He says, oh, my God, I want to do that. Wow. And he became my mentee. Wow. We haven't been able to get rid of him since. (laughs) You guys are, it's unbelievable. And that, just the way you told that story, I felt this groundbreaking amount of humility from him. I feel like there's a lot of people with talent. But there's this thing called humility that I just don't see very often. And you have it. So you're a match for people who have it. And it it just seemed to be like a thread in all the ways you described the people that you worked with, that there was some ability to be self-reflective. And I'm just amazed by that. You put together so much goodness in this book. It should be required reading. Everybody should have to read this book. Every kid in high school, every parent, every spouse, every pastor, every rabbi, everyone should read this book. This book, let's just start with when somebody finishes reading this book, what were you hoping they walk away with? That they would walk away with a commitment to become the world's greatest expert on one subject themselves. That's all I want. The whole mission of the book is to teach people that the best friend they should have in life should be in the mirror. That self-love and self-acceptance will overrule all kinds of nonsense that's happened in your life. Letting go of yesterday's baggage is an art form that you have to practice, train, and rehearse until you get good at it. And so if people can walk away and know you know how many people you have in your life who, who try to tell you what to do, what to think and how to act, and they're real experts on you? You notice that the only changes you made though was was when you decided. Yeah. So I can be really good, Kathy. I can be good at what I do. It doesn't matter how good I am. If you don't decide, you understand? He, oh, my God. If anyone can get this, it's you. You ready? Human beings are the only creatures who have been given the ability to decide. I am not going to be the same today as I was yesterday. (laughs) Think about that. What other creature can decide to change, to be deliberate and intentional about taking control over their own life, over their own mind, over their own faults, over their own passions? over their own fears. A dog going to be a dog every day. Your cat, <laughs> chilling. I'm going to be a cat. That's what I do. That's right. We have the ability to decide I'm not going to be a victim anymore. I'm not going to be a slave to my own fears and anxiety and okay. self-doubt. Fear and self-doubt is the greatest enemy you will ever face in this life. But if you're no longer afraid of being afraid, that's a game changer. That's so big what you just said. It reminds me, I had a conversation uh, with Howard Schultz a few years ago, and uh, I learned in Jerusalem for a few years. I was studying there, and I said that there's a story in the Talmud that when God is about to create the world, the angels say, don't do it because everything is perfect. And God says, just you watch what they can do with their free choice. Mm. And in that way, they can be higher, more elevated than an angel because an angel doesn't have free will. It just works for God. It knows what to do all the time. But we have choice. And you're right. 
we get so caught in the unconscious program that we forget that our crowning jewel Come on. is that we can choose out of this unconscious trap. The question is, this unconscious mind, it's so pervasive that it makes you feel that that is reality. How do you help people to overcome that constant low self-worth, that old tape, that old soundtrack that just plays so that they can choose to feel beyond that? Well, you've got to get people, give them an opportunity to consider some things. See, if we simplify it and not overindulge in psychobabble, it's going to boil down to what's working and what's not working in your life. I need you to be at least sensitive enough to understand that critical self-assessment is the cornerstone that you can build on. The ability to critique. I'm not talking about criticism. We're good at criticizing, but sometimes we're not that good at critiquing our own strengths, our own weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. SWOT analysis, MBA, la-di-da-di, right? So what is absent. If getting drunk every day is working for you and, and you're maintaining relationships and you're keeping your job, that's, hey, peace be with you. If it's not working, perhaps you might want to consider changing. So what we do is we begin to teach people how to really evaluate, to do self-evaluation and not just begging somebody else to tell you what to do or what to think. Then we com- try to convince people that imagine telling Tom Brady at 19 years old. Tom, the most difficult thing I'm going to tell you is this. You have to decide with or without football. Dramatic pause. (laughs) Your life is going to be amazing. Now, Brady is so bloody smart. And I've done this over and over. And I say, so what am I saying, Tom? And he says, well, technically, it sounds like you're saying, he breaks it down, that you're saying that I'm more than an a football player, that how I feel about me must not be based on football. I thought, oh my God, who is this kid? All I said was how my self-worth and self-esteem must not be based on my job, on my money, on how cute I am, how I feel about me. Self-love and self-acceptance caring about me, loving me, flaws, and all. I say, now, Tom, the next piece is, it may not be as hard, but it's hard. You've got to decide with or without football, your life is going to be amazing. Win, lose, or draw. So when I tell people, you know, hey, you've got to decide your life's going to be amazing, they think I just said you're going to win, 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 win. That's total nonsense. It means that when you win, You'll be great at it. And when you lose, you'll be great at it. When it doesn't work, you'll recover faster than the average person, which is mental fitness, recovery time. How fast you recover from a loss, from a disappointment, from a fumble, from throwing an interception. (laughs) You have to be that guy that if it's not working, how I feel about me doesn't change. I hate losing, but losing it is not going to destroy how I feel about me. I mean, it's so powerful what you just said. There needs to be another word more than powerful because it's profound. It's critical. It's critical that we understand what you just said, that our sense of self-worth is not attached to anything. And as long as God's beating your heart and you wake up every day, you just report for duty. But you're so much bigger than all of those things. I think one of the things that I hear from my audience is a lot of self-doubt for sure. And I'd love you to expand on that because it's one thing for people to hear somebody say, be kind, love yourself, you know, all of that stuff. But in, in practice, I think it's hard if and when you received a feeling that love from your parents was a transaction, right? You'd be loved if you got a good grade. You'd be loved if you were thinner. You'd be loved if you fill in the blank. So there's a way in which we then hold ourselves to a standard where we would be lying if we said, sure, Greg, no problem. I'll love myself because there's 
a fundamental contrast. So how do you help people to reframe that? By asking them to be deliberate and intentional, to not hope for it, not to just pray for it, but actualize it by being Mm -hmm. deliberate, taking steps. And if you can't do it by making decisions, get professional help. Yeah. Get a coach, get a heller, (laughs) get a counselor, get a consultant. I try to convince people that counselors are like consultants. You know, if you're running uh, Google, you may make a few hundred million dollars a year. I don't know. Do you use consultants? Yes. Yeah. So if I'm getting paid 10 million, 100 million dollars a year, why do I need a consultant? Because there are blind spots that I cannot see. So I reach out for help. I beg for help. I utilize resources. I'm no longer ashamed or afraid or think something's wrong with me for needing help. But I don't need counseling. I don't need a psychiatrist. I'm nothing. I'm not crazy. Do you need a consultant? Well, uh, mm. so if you begin to understand that counselors are like consultants, you can hire them. And if it fits, you'll keep. If it doesn't fit, you'll fire them and get enough. Counseling is for you. And you must utilize and take advantage of someone who's trained to help you see things you cannot see. That's one way to look at it. That's the most compelling case I've ever heard for that. That makes complete sense. It does, because there's blind spots. And why would you not want to assess that to get the edge on living your potential? That makes no sense. Wait, what did you just say? To get to what? The edge. Because if we convince people we're going to stack the deck in their favor, Mm -hmm. they'll say, hmm, let me consider this. Yeah. If I can convince somebody that if you pursue self-mastery, you'll be a better athlete. You'll be a better CEO. You'll be running your law firm better than anyone else could. You will yes. believe in your people better because you believe in yourself. It will transfer to how you treat other people. Yeah. If all you're doing is being rigid and hard on yourself, you'll love this. I was invited years ago to an all-women's conference. It's the keynote speaker. Get out. <laughs> I mean, I'm, you know, like, I, and you know, I wasn't doing a lot of public speaking, but I'm like, giddy, I'm beside myself because this is one of the, I had always been a, a, uh, a workshop seminar leader at the event. And they said, we want you to do the keynote. I said, you don't tease me. Say, no, seriously. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, hell, I swear to God, I didn't write long speeches. I would take a business card and make five points that I'm going to make. And I do my speech. Now I'm like, I got to write a speech. <laughs> I got to be organized. I got to be disciplined. So I come up with this title that you will get. One is a whole number. And it dawned on me that only 10% of the audience would get it. I said, oh my God, but I love this title. One is a whole number. I mean, it implies that all you need is at least you. And I say, but it's not about me and how my mind works. It's not about the engineers in the room. And I said, here's the title. So I was introduced. And I said, I came up with two titles. First one is one is a whole number. And 10, 20% said, ooh. And other people are like, okay. I say, but I, I figured I needed to come up with something better than that. See, so the title of my speech today is, you want me to love you, but you don't even like yourself. The crowd went crazy. And that's all we're trying to get people to understand, that we're always looking for approval and acceptance from everybody else. That's it. There are four A's that and whenever somebody says all and every, they're going to say something profound or something completely stupid. Yeah. Every one of us needs the four A's. The need for attention, affection, approval, and acceptance. I've made a complete fool of myself. Pick one. Okay, pick two. Okay, all four. But I've also risen to an unbelievable height in pursuit of the four A's. So when we're talking about developing people to become the best version of themselves, we teach them how important it is to put the word self in front of each one of those A's. You've got friends that you know people who are the best friend you could 
ever have in your life. The way that they attend to your needs, how affectionate and caring, and they leave a care, compassion, and concern, and they always giving you approval, and you just know that they they just love you unconditional. But you notice they're not as patient or kind or generous with themselves. Right. All we're asking them to do is begin to be as attentive to themselves as they are to everybody else. Wow. To be more affectionate, more loving, deliberately loving self more than everyone else can. And then to not settle for approval when they want acceptance. We all need approval. But acceptance, so you already indicated, approval is conditional. How high can he jump? <laughs> you know, did you get good grades? <laughs> 40 hours, you did good, here's your paycheck. I approve of your behavior. Acceptance is totally different. So if we just just separate two of them, self-love and self-acceptance. If I can love myself, flaws and all, I've just changed the game. You just helped me understand something, which is, you know, earlier you were saying this beautiful journey of surrender. And you said, and I had to surrender his ego. And I think one thing that I've struggled with is that the more I've sat in meditation or in the pursuit of a higher consciousness, I look at this Kathy Heller avatar sometimes, this ego, and I go, oh man, we got to rewrite the code on that one. And so then I feel justified in not loving her. Mm. But when you just spoke that, and the way you spoke it and the speed you spoke it, what I heard is, but we love other people's egos. We love them. Laws and all. Laws and all. So then if we're being intellectually honest, mm. yes, you might believe that everyone you love has a soul for sure. And yet when you're being that kind and compassionate and caring, you're showing up to love their soul and their ego. But why don't you do that for yourself? So imagine this. I've been a clinical therapist for years. And you know that in clinical therapy, we're not introducing God concepts, etc. But if somebody walks in talking about, I love Jesus. Oh. You're like, let's go. <laughs> you, know, you know, my God is alive. That's nice. I read the Torah every day. Oh, so is this a subject area we can walk into? Oh, yes, let's go. Awesome. So like, now I'm dealing with somebody who's depressed and preoccupied with self-loathing. So I ask him, are they smarter than God? And he said, God's stupid for loving you, huh? So you know better than your coach. You know better than everybody that loves you. We just stupid. Well, I mean, I'm not saying that. Yes, you are. But that's what you're saying, that we recruited you and the person who recruited you is an idiot. I'm not saying that. Uh, Well, God loves you and you're smarter than God. No, I'm not saying that. So you have to get people to go to the next level of thinking. They can't stop it. I'm so stupid. Well, okay, that was what I did was stupid, but I'm not stupid. Not only that, I need to stop saying that because it reinforced. So you get them to stop limiting themselves by that first thought that comes from anxiety and and fear. Fear and self-doubt are the greatest enemies you will ever face on this earth. And when people tell you, be fearless, don't be afraid, I challenge them. How long have I known you, Kathy Heller? 36 minutes. Right. I guarantee you, I'm getting ready to say something that will make sense. Some of the greatest moments of your life, some of the grandest adventures you've ever been on, some of the amazing things that have happened to you, you're about to crap your pants before this. A hundred percent, yes. Some of the greatest moments of your life. Yep. Childbirth. Okay, so think about the people you know and love. You can, anyone that you see, you know that some of the most fun they've ever had, they were terrified. Yeah. So we teach what I teach 
instead of telling people, you shouldn't be afraid. It's nothing to be afraid of. I tell them to stop being afraid of being afraid. Because yeah. fear is oh, no, it's part of life. It's one of the part of what makes it a grand adventure. Courage is not the absence of fear, Kathy. It's facing fear. The word courage doesn't even exist unless we're talking about overcoming fear. Am I right or wrong? Totally right. Well, you talk about so many beautiful things in this book. One of the things that strikes me the most in speaking with people you address in how to be different on purpose is one of the things you talk about in this book. And I want to bring it up because what I find is fascinating is more than childbirth, more than a lot of things that people could have evidence that they're scared of. People want to belong so bad. They're so afraid to stand out. They're so afraid to be different. And then you come along and say how to be different on purpose. And I would love for you to speak to that because I do feel like one of the biggest tragedies I see is that no one even belongs to themselves anymore because we want to belong to each other by being who we think the other person wants us to be. So we don't belong to any. So you don't know what everybody is thinking or feeling because everyone just wants to be accepted. You want to be liked on social media. You want to be liked for who you voted for. You want, you want to feel that somehow you're not different. And yet God made us each unique. We each have a different fingerprint. We each have something different. So how do we rewire that one? Because that to me seems like the biggest tragedy if people are not their uniqueness. Well, one of the blessings of Judeo-Christian orientation is humility and not wanting to be a narcissist. So our individual excellence, I mean, this is the strangest country. Individualism is dominant in a community, yeah, you know. Right. But we need community and we need to belong. It's so confusing. But being different is more fun than bubblegum. Being an outlier, you don't want to be like everybody else. But you don't want to be this fruit of the loom. I mean, <laughs> you know, see, when I was growing up and they asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I, I was always an oddball. At one period of life, I'd say, I want to be eccentric. Hey, what? I say, no, that's what I want to be when I grow up, an eccentric. What are you talking about? I say, well, I'm a little crazy, but I'm broke. <laughs> To be an eccentric means that I'm a little crazy and can afford it. <laughs> that's or true. Locked up. <laughs> oh, that's Mr. Harden. You know, he's a little, he's a little different. But what we discover is that following the crowd, my father would say, boy, if you see the crowd going in this direction, go behind them, get up on a hill, see where they're going before you join. If you're not leading them over them, if they're all going over a cliff, you better be the one leading. So being different has to be embraced as something special, not as being weird. And if you're weird and if you don't love being weird, it's not going to work because people are weird and they hate themselves. No. Being different has to be something we embrace and teach people how to do it in such a way that it builds them and it builds everyone around them. Putting people down and, and, and picking on people and, and being a sarcastic wit, all that stuff, you know, is what you learn from your peer group. Building people up, helping people believe in themselves. That's not the norm. Kathy Heller, you know, for some odd reason, God touched you in such a way that you turned your passion into what? Get out. How many? <laughs> But you're caught up in the fantasy is I have 400,000 friends. No, you have 400,000 followers. You have 400,000 likes. It's radically different from fantasizing that they're your friends. And being different means that you allow yourself to go out on, you know, why would you want to do a podcast? I mean, you know, there's no money in that. There are people who loved you were telling you don't do what you're doing right now. And you dared to be a little different. You dared to do podcasting a little different. Yeah. You dared to, to understand you could talk about there are three levels of fitness. 
physical, mental, and spiritual. If you cheat in one, this is definitely for your audience. If you cheat in one, the other two will not be fully developed. Periodically, you have to isolate one and build on it. So you have the audacity to include in your podcast an element of spiritual fitness. (laughs) Believe it. And you're not telling them what to believe, but you're telling them they better believe in something other than their own fears, their own fantasy. Wow. I'm curious in the behind the scenes that you've been there at the 11th hour with some of the most talented people you've seen when they feel like the whole world is against them. You've seen those moments. You've seen when they kind of hit the wall. How do you feel that their spiritual life or what is bigger than this, just their physical ability has gotten them through? Like, what have you seen that we might not see? I have seen people begin to understand that the thing that got them to finish a race when they were behind is it begins to help them open the door to understand it was your spirit. It was something inside you that gave you that extra gear, something inside you that you tapped into that took you to the next level of performance. And so you understand spirit and when they say the word spiritual, you get confused because you organize, I don't like organized religion. Yeah, I don't care if you like organized religion. You need to understand that there's something extra in all of us that you can tap into. And I've seen it. You've seen it. You've done it. We've done it. Anyone can do it. And it's not always easy. But to believe in something other than yourself. I, I don't care if you believe in cabbage. <laughs> Need you to believe in something. And here's, this is how I hook people. You ready? You have a spark of life, right? You know you're alive for a brief moment in time. How can the spark not worship the flame? So beautiful. My husband used to work at Fox Sports. He was a VP of uh, legal for years. So we used to get to go to... We didn't actually get to go to the fancy stuff because they'd give the tickets to like ad sales guys, but we got to go to the NBA all-star breakfast every year. And the first time he asked me to go, I said, you know, I don't know these players. I don't know. I'm not a sports fan really, but boy, did I become a sports fan because we went for 14 years and the first breakfast I went to, I said, well, maybe they'll be good waffles. Or we sat down and one by one, Magic Johnson, and at one point, John Wooden, and the people that would get up and speak, that was church. Every single thing that came out of any of those people's mouths had nothing to do with how many hours they spent in practice. It was all about being a part of something bigger than themselves. Yes. And that is what we are witness to when we are watching someone who's excellent at anything. And I came to understand that this has nothing to do with with an algorithm about somebody's performance physically. Because even Tom Brady, my husband and I went to this speech with Wayne Gretzky and he, and he showed that Tom wasn't the first pick in the draft. He wasn't the second pick. He wasn't the third pick. That this kid built himself despite. So I don't know if you want to touch on that. But I think that this is something that we don't see because we look on social media. We see the highlight reels of things. We don't see the before. We don't understand what's going on. So we just assume that everybody else has something we don't. And therefore, why even try? Because we don't understand what goes into building ourselves into our potential. Tom Brady allowed me to convince him to not care about what everybody else thought. The coaches don't like me, Tom. I don't care what your coaches think. All I care about is what you think. Wow, that's so hard. Tom, I don't care that they don't see you. Do you see you? I don't care that they're only giving you three reps. Those three reps have to be the most amazing reps anyone could possibly see consistently. And they're going to give you five. And those five, bruh, 
four out of five got to be spectacular. Until somebody say, well, we give him 10. And that's what's going to happen to you in your life over and over. All you've got to do is train yourself to give 100%, 100% of the time at everything you do. Compete at everything, including self-mastery. Learn to master your thoughts. Learn to master and commit to your dreams. Learn to not just dream big, but to believe big in order to become big. So it's so important that people allow themselves the freedom of believing in themselves. Not that they're going to be a mega star, but that they're going to be a star at everything they do. Being a parent, being a friend being a spouse, being a significant other. I don't care what it is. Okay, so let's be real honest. Wow, that sounds exciting. But can anyone give 100% 100% of the time? No. So what is the lesson here? Default mode. What? My default mode is to try to give 100% 100% of the time. And before then, if I was off, I was like giving 30%. <laughs> well, I was all on a good day, I might get 60%. But if my default mode, the way I see myself, if my mindset, if my attitude is to give my best every chance I get, my worst day is going to be better than the average person's best day. That's a game changer. I know I'm not going to be perfect. The pursuit of perfection is fun. To be, so thank you, perfect. That's not going to work. But I'm not praying to you tonight. It's so powerful. And it brings me to tears when you talked about those three reps and then those turning into five because you focus on what you believe about yourself. I mean, to really condition ourselves to that practice is a life changer. It's a life changer. But even still, I want to go further because there are so many phenomenal human beings in all these industries, sports and music, who you could all say they're all in that conversation, right, about greatness. But then there are some who even in the conversation about greatness, they're singular and he's singular. Like it's singular. It's not even in the same conversation about greatness anymore. We're talking about. So what do you think if you had to say what is that? What makes somebody that where it's like, it's, we're already clear there's greatness. Like that is for sure. But now within that conversation, you are literally a once in a generation example of a human in certain realms that is singular. Like what is that that a person is tapping into? They're tapping into a frame of mind that says, I'm not trying to be a star. I'm trying to be the best at everything I do, they are able to say, follow me. They're able to lead. They're able to take anyone around them and try to make them better than they were yesterday. Mm -hmm. You understand? So they're not just trying to build themselves. They're trying to build up the whole crew. They're trying to get the whole crew to believe in themselves. This is a true story. That's it. Brady went from the Patriots to the Buccaneers. And so, I mean, I know the game a little bit, and I know him a little bit. I figure in two years, he's going to turn this into a championship team. Tom gets there, and this guy comes up to Tom, and Tom is open and accessible to his teammates. And the guy was venting and complaining and whining about, I didn't make the two to Pro Bowl this year. I mean, how it wasn't fair, and it just sucks, and these people don't know what And Tom Brady looked at him, he listened to him, he said, Pro Bowl? Well, we go into the Super Bowls. He said, when Tom Brady looked at him and said, huh? Because he, he couldn't get his head around going to the Super Bowl. And Tom Brady looked at him and said, no, 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 no. The Pro Bowl ain't your vision, son. Super Bowl is your vision. He said it changed his whole outlook on life. That this guy looked at him wow. and told him he needs to expect more wow. from himself and from this team. So the ability to not just think about yourself, the ability to understand that it works if you can create a team. It works if you can support people in their dreams. Look, my life is working because I made an effort 
to create opportunities for other people's lives to work. That's right. So I'm writing a book. And in the book, I'm capturing everything that I've tried to share with people who are regular folks. There are people in this book, Emily Line. Emily Line just was uh, one of the keynote speakers at the Realtors Association's Lottie Dottie Conference uh, alongside the Kansas City Chiefs head coach. I think it's Andy Reid. And like, she's like, she, 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 who the fuck it? She was my intern as a social worker and she was trained to be a social worker. I mean, she went from, from being a social worker to working at a racetrack to being a salesperson to being now the vice president of Realtors Association, Lottie Dottie, and she's headed into the stratosphere. And she was the nicest, most humble individual. And she was blonde and blue, tried and true, stereotype, you know, and she shattered all stereotypes. I told her, you got to think like you're a black person. (laughs) Your job is to shatter all stereotypes about blonde and blue. And you don't care if people judge you. You'll take advantage of them being stupid enough to assume they know who you are and they don't. She said, Ooh. I said, you know, I'm just saying, you can discount me, dismiss me because of the way I look. That's your error. I'm going to take advantage of it. If you think I'm stupid, I'm so happy. I'm going to jack you and take all you got because you've just told me you're not thinking beyond superficial. And we think beyond superficial. A Tom Brady, you don't even have to like football. But you know the Super Bowl, you're having a big party. <laughs> you ain't even watching the game. But all of a sudden you hear it's 28 to 3. Atlanta Falcons, boom, have a 28 to 3 lead at halftime. It's not a division championship. It's not a regular game. It's the Super Bowl. The two best teams in the country are together. And they're getting their butts handed to them by one team. Only reason I'm watching it at this point is because that's my guy. And, and like, if anybody could pull it off, it's him. But it's not probable. But it's not impossible. Tom Brady, all he wanted was to get back on the field. Anybody else would have been struggling. I don't know. Oh, my God, I threw two interceptions. Oh, my God. You know, they get stuck into going back into the mistakes. He doesn't have time for it. He recovers quickly. And all the while, it's 28 to 3. He's saying, just let me get back on the field. I've got a team I believe in. And we'll do our best. He's going to give 100%. 100% of the time. Win, lose, or draw. And if they had lost, you would be saying, that was the best game I've seen it. Every word, every single word is such a blessing. Tell everybody where they can buy the book. We'll put links in the show notes and uh, tell them where they can follow you. You can go straight to Amazon and order now. Then I'll be like Kathy and I'll be trending. (laughs) I had to learn that word, you know. (laughs) Right. So order now is going to drop. August 15th, Amazon, Apple, Barnes and Noble, all of them are ready. And we've got to convince them that people other than athletes are interested in what I have to say. Oh my gosh. I think they should turn this into a documentary. You're probably already working on that. Oh, bless your heart. But my life has been amazing and the blessings continue to flow. You know what? It's because we get what we are. It comes right back. And what you are is love. Thank you so much, Kathy. I I was thrilled to have an opportunity to hang out with you. Thank you for being you. How cool is Greg? He's incredible. All right, here are the takeaways. Number one, your first purpose is to pursue your purpose. Number two, make a commitment to becoming the world's greatest expert on you. The best friend you have in life is the one in the mirror. That self-love and self-acceptance will overrule whatever's happened in your life. Number three, human beings are the only creatures who have been given the ability to decide. I'm not going to be the same today as I was yesterday. I'm not going to be this victim anymore. I'm not going to be trapped in my own fear and anxiety. If you're no longer afraid of being afraid, that's a game changer. 
Number four, you've got to decide your life's going to be amazing. It means that when you win, you'll be great at it. When you lose, you'll be great at it. When it doesn't work, you'll recover faster than the average person. You'll know that even if it's not working, how you feel about yourself doesn't change. Number five, we all have blind spots that we can't see. There's no shame in needing help. Take advantage of someone who's trained to help you see things that you can't see. Number six, one is a whole number. All you need is part of you that can love yourself, flaws and all. Then you just change the game. Number seven, courage is not the absence of fear. It's facing fear. Stop being afraid of being afraid. Fear is part of life that makes it a grand adventure. Number eight, the thing that gets you to finish a race when you're behind is your spirit. It's something inside you that gives you this extra gear that takes you to the next level. There's something extra in all of us that we can tap into. And number nine, give that 100% in everything you do because that's everything, including your self-mastery. Learn to master your thoughts. Commit to the dreams, not just being big, but believing that big is in order to become big. You don't have to become a megastar, but you're going to be a star at everything that you do to be you. All right. Well, now, in case you're thinking about taking my podcast program and you want to hear from some alumni, Jennifer said, well, my podcast is called Platinum Talks Wealth. I get to talk with guests about their stories, money, memories, and financial infidelities. We're in the top 3% of global podcasts, almost 50,000 downloads. We have new clients and we've had global companies reach out to us and request that I do paid financial literacy for their employees on monthly and quarterly basis. Jennifer, that is incredible. Almost 50,000 downloads is a huge milestone. I love that you're connecting the people who are getting so much from your message. All right, here's another one. Sarah said, I talk about home and life design utilizing the power of feng shui and the Living Elemental podcast on the Living Elemental podcast. What this podcast has done for my confidence, the power of using my voice, I'm just blown away by the compliments I get in regards to my voice and the content that people gain from listening. I'm now focused on building small courses and group communities for those that want more. Sarah, that's so good. A thousand percent your voice is needed in the world. I can't wait to see where this takes you. Thank you to Jennifer and Sarah. Congratulations to both of you. Go check out their podcast, Platinum Talks Well, and the Living Elemental podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you. There's so many good episodes coming up, so please follow along on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on Spotify or wherever you're listening. And if you really love what we do, please leave us a review. It helps us to grow. It helps other people to find us. And if you can think of somebody who would really benefit from hearing today's episode, please text them the link or post about this because this was such a good episode and it might open somebody's heart. Don't forget, doors are open to my podcast program until tomorrow. If you want to be with me for two months of coaching and you want to start your own podcast, go to kathyhallcom slash join. And if you want to be part of this membership, the quilts, if you want to have those heart to hearts, if you want to have that community, that support, that collaboration, plus coaching once a month from me, go to kathyhallcom slash quilt. I'll leave you with a song of mine. I love you so much. Have a great weekend. But now